podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. It's June 21, 2021. It's a Monday. Thank you for watching. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Let's discuss. Okay, so last Friday was June 18, quad witching date. And I have to say that a lot of people suspected that AMC, GME, all of these meme stocks will eventually deflate. And some of your most voice, voice for us or boisterous um, bear mongers today is actually Mr. Michael Burry, the hashtag Flying Pigs 360. And it's causing the market to actually view um, why is he doing this fear mongering? Is it really fear mongering or does he have a real reason to be afraid of the market? Now, here's what I think. I really respect Mr. Michael Burry and I do believe that what he says makes sense. In fact, I don't think that AMC and GME should be trading at $250, $70, $60, and so forth. So, yes, the pigs on GME and AMC will get slaughtered eventually. Whether it happens tonight, next week, um, you know, at this point in time, to be honest, I think that most of the people who were long in GME and AMC have already finished and taken their profits. And whatever positions they have on GME and AMC is either their entire capital or just most of their profits that they are able to just let it be. Whether it goes down 25% or 30% or 50% or 90% down, there will of course be a loser. You've already seen GME AMC sell and dilute the shareholders. So dilution is already a sell. Uh, as to whether it will follow going down, I'm not of the opinion to short it. Honestly speaking, I don't have plans to make money either on the long side or the short side on GME and AMC. Easy money is done. Whether it goes higher or lower has nothing to do with how I invest. It has nothing to do with how I'll do my awesome 10x. Now, but, but let's take a look at the theory. Okay, so there's this Michael Burry saying that meme stocks, cryptos have to fall. Okay, with crypto stocks, yes, some stocks would fall, some cryptocurrencies would fall, and it's normal. BTC went from $5,000 to $64,000, guys, in just 12 months, less than 12 months. And so, you know, it doesn't take a genius to say that it will eventually have drops, profit-taking. And right now, yes, from about 40000 it's now doing 33000 The question is, is this going to go 27K, 22K, 19K, 13K? Okay, I've been telling actually people that, you know, all I see here is a drowsy chart from 30000 to 40000 If BTC breaks 32K, now that's interesting because it opens up the leeway for it to fall and let's make a projection it could fall from a high of 64,000 all the way to about 19,000. Why that low? 
it's because 19,000 is just your January or December uh, price. I think that um, people have to understand overbought companies, no matter how good it is, no matter what your beliefs are, they can fall and it's not because Michael Burry, Elon Musk, and so forth. It's not about these celebrities. It's not about them. It's just simply supply and demand. You can clearly see Bitcoin gets a lot of sellers at 40,000. These are all your traps at about 48,000, 60,000. Therefore, you should assume that yes, MSTR, Michael Saylor trying to buy Bitcoins is what? It's going to be sold down here about $650. MicroStrategy could go to about $500 or $400. The path of MSTR is to the downside in the short term. That means that your riot is the path to the downside in the short term. And in fact, last week at $36, it already was showing the cracks. Same as for Mara, Marathon, yes, um, it rallied, but people sold the rally since these um, crypto miners. You could see that it is still in a long downtrend with 56, lower high about 40, another lower high here about 32. You know, if you just make things very easy, yes, it can fall, right? So what's going to happen with Bitfarms listing today? Well, Bitfarms is highly correlated in the NASDAQ. Bitfarms is highly correlated to cryptocurrencies. Therefore, it shows a bad timing, timing-wise. Even if you think that BTC is going to go up in the long term, it could possibly go down to about 450 Your Bitfarms at Toronto Stock Exchange could fall from $5 to about 450 and that means that your BFARF, BFARF, BitFarms right now, which is going to list in the market, could potentially go down from about 4 to 7 to about below $4 tonight. Now, can it go to about retest here about $3 around May? I'd say yes. Because in general, in general, cryptocurrencies is not for the weak of heart. It is known for its volatility. It's an inherent characteristic of crypto. It is an asset that goes wild, and I'm, I'm not talking about a 50% drop. Cryptocurrencies are known to fall 80% drop for its peak. So, in fact, like 19,000 or 20,000 BTC is something that is not out of the picture. Now, I'm not trying to scare you guys. I'm just saying that when you're entering assets, you have to understand where was, what's the downside? What's the upside and what's the downside? If I put $500 in it, how much money can I lose? Of course, the maximum is you lose all of it, which is $500 if it went 99% down. Now, how realistic is it to fall 99% down? Perhaps not. I'd say that the probability for it to fall is about 80%, 70 to 80% from its peak. Why 80%? Well, it's done that before. From about $20,000, BTC dropped from about 2017's highs to as low as about $3,000. So that was about 80% drop. It's an asset that normally drops 70, 80% drop. And that's why even the people who have BTCs about $10,000, you know, even at $33,000, they're raking it big. I'm assuming that these people are still taking profits. And does it mean that Ethereum's gonna go down? You know what? This is still near all time highs $2,000. Take a look at January, it was just about $850. So in the last six months, this asset class still went up almost 3x and of course for a long for a shorter for for a, for a for a while it was even as high as 44 4400 so that was about nearing 6x in just six months a lot of cryptocurrencies actually hit 10x in less than a month 
sometimes 50x. Of course, you'll ask me, well, what about Dogecoin? Yeah, Doge is, of course, um, going down. Doge is falling. You've seen a high of 70 cents. Can it go down to about 6 cents? It could. Now, 25 cents. The downtrend is so intact. You know, it's almost a consensus that to say that, well, crypto is falling down. I mean, to not say the obvious is almost like, I don't know. It's just so obvious, isn't it? Okay, so um, that's one. All right, let's discuss about some other things. He said that the market's in a bubble. Michael Burry said, Flying Pigs 360, the greatest bubble of all time. Is he right? Is he wrong? I'm going to tell you a few things. Let's discuss a specific stock. Is Michael Burry saying that I should get out of my Netflix? Netflix is at $500 from $480 to $570 since June till June, 6 months, 12 months. It had corrected 16%. This is an exact range. No. I don't think Michael Burry is saying that Netflix is a bubble. He might have said crypto. Some crypto are high. Um, some stocks are high, like Jamie and AMC. But is he really blanket saying that the entire market should fall? No. He might not say that, but people would interpret it that way. You have to ask yourself, where is the growth coming from? Understand, I was telling people, do you know how much Netflix spends in a single year? The category, the moat is so hard. HBO Max has to spend $5 billion and it can't even reach that category because the library of Netflix over the last 7, 10, 20 years is more than 6,000. Even Disney, who's already a behemoth, is still having a hard time to fight Netflix domination. Now, I'm not saying that Netflix is going to be the only one. No, you know that there's a streaming war. And Netflix is not sleeping. They've been prepared for this war for quite a long time. They've been pre prepared that Disney is going to fight. And so the, the theory that Netflix is going to be, you know, um, doing nothing for the next 5 to 10 years is a wrong theory. Let's take a look at some evidences here. I shared here um, a few things. Some people are saying, should they sell the market? We said, no, there are companies that is a duopoly, a triopoly, Peter Thiel Strategies. Netflix, $500 below, is valuable. It's been the same price since December, since July 2020. And we argued that investing in Netflix today is one of the world's greatest businesses. Take a look. The number of Netflix paying streaming subscribers worldwide in its first quarter is of around 205 million, guys. And they are able to raise their pricing from about $10 to $12, $12 to $15. The point is, it's an asset that can continue to go high cash flows because these are sticky subscribers. It's not as if like if Netflix decided to raise those rates by 10% that these people would leave. Not. It's not in a price war. US and Canada, 75 million. Europe, Middle East and Africa, 68 million. Latin America, 37 million. And the largest growth of all is Asia Pacific with only 26.85 million households that are paying. If you add that all up, that's about 210 million. And I could foresee that Netflix can grow to 300 million subscribers in the next 10 years. 
suppose Southeast Asian communities were able to choose only Netflix, especially like in India, they're choosing Hotstar, Netflix, Disney. Hotstar is also owned by Disney. Hulu as well is owned by Disney. The point here is that there is a war. And it's obvious, at least to the commoners, even to the non-Indian uh, users, you know, there is huge growth waves for Netflix in India. Actually, more than 700% growth in 2020 because it started from a low base. And how many billions of people are in India? A lot. So you're seeing that people right now, it's 1.4 billion in India. I'm sorry, it's a billion. It's going to go 1.5 billion, 1.6 billion. Yeah, and then there's about 1.2 billion in China that Netflix is not there of. And it will never be in China unless they do VPNs or virtual private networks. Either way... The question is, is Netflix diversifying? Yes, there's a lot of optionality that Netflix is doing. If Disney can monetize these shows through their merchandise partnerships, Netflix actually started to monetize some of their Stranger Things into e-commerce. So I know that right now, it's really from a monetization por portfolio, nothing for Netflix. But why is it that Netflix is doing that? Because eventually, you would love the franchises so much that you'd love Money Heist 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Just like Fast and the Furious, that's not a, it's not a franchise of, um, of, of, of Netflix. But you could see that it, it, it was actually, for, guys, F9 is coming out this June 25. It's more than 20 years already. Yes, it started 2001. It's now 2021, two decades. I'm that old. If you don't know of Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, yes, that movie is a franchise and spawned many billions of dollars to Mr. Lin, the director. So um, understand that Netflix is a franchise. So there are opportunities in the market. You just have to look for them. Okay, so... Is Netflix a buy at 500? Yes, you can study it, but understand that if the moat is so huge, it's not really gonna be toppled. Not that easy. Now, Disney, of course, is still a buy at $170. So that means that in the streaming war, it's gonna be very hard for anyone to just topple them. You have to spend so much. Think about your positions right now. NVIDIA, AMD, do you think Intel can really fight well sometimes you've missed it already but these companies on dips will be bought so i mean are you telling me that nvidia about 750 yes i know it was stoppish last friday but if this drops to 640 of course there will be a lot of buyers because how could you fight against nvidia nvidia is merging with arm and it's a $40 billion deal that is very hard to topple. We are in a world wherein there are incumbents that will keep on growing. And one company that is still growing and acquiring very well is Spotify. Do you know that Spotify at current levels about 247? It is far from being a bubble. That price is the same as July 2020. Yes, it rose to 380. It has already deflated to 214. And even at 247 or 250, 
I'd argue that, hey, that is cheaper than the January levels of about $300. I'm still getting a 20% discount here at $242.50. And yet, what has the company done in over a year? Actually done better, done well. Let me share to you the Spotify acquisitions. Recently, Spotify just bought um, Call Me Daddy. That's, um, that's actually a competition of Barstool Sports. It's a podcast for the sports movement. And this is not the first acquisition that Spotify did. They bought Bill, Ring, um, Bill Simmons the Ringer last year. And Spotify also acquired, of course, Joe Rogan Experience. They, of course, bought also the Kardashian West and then the Michelle Obama. The point here is that if you are thinking that Spotify was just sleeping in over a year, as the stock price suggests, the answer is no. So yes, that is also a buy. I'm going to share to you the exact news of Spotify on why it continues to be a buy. Um, here, I would say that the Round Hill um, gave a good, gave, gave a good um, news bit and a good take. I agree with this. Spotify landed another top podcast. Color Daddy by Alexandra Cooper is one of the biggest podcasts in the U.S. over the last year. It's actually the fifth most listened podcast. It is now a Spotify exclusive. It was previously licensed and distributed by Barstool Sports, aka Dollar Pen. They've agreed to a rumored $60 million deal to call Spotify the official home starting July 21. Caller Daddy becomes another high-profile podcast to join the Spotify exclusives list, which now's got shows from Joe Rogan, Kim Kardashian, The Obamas, eMarketers forecasting Spotify podcasts already surpassed Apple podcast listeners earlier this year. Their take, and I agree, another significant talent acquire by Spotify poaching the hit podcast from Barstool after a highly successful launch and a fair share of the very public drama involving the original Fathers and Barstool founder Dave Portnoy. For context, this implied $20 million annual sum for a three-year exclusive is double the top NHL contracts, ex-sponsorships, around half of the top FNL contracts, and a little less than a quarter of what 2020's top-earning actor Dwayne Johnson is estimated to have made in 2020, inclusive of sponsorships via Forbes. Talent valuations across media formats is becoming an increasing interest to me as the power of influencers, personal brands, and the creator economy continues to grow. Investment themes here is streaming, but it's actually about creator economy. People know that if it's approved by media, example, you know how Rihanna made so much money in Louis Vuitton. There was a partnership with Rihanna and Fenty. I'd say that Rihanna got the better part of the deal, not necessarily Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton overpaid for it. But if you're going to ask me, did Spotify overpay for this podcast? Think about it. It's a three-year multi-pole deal. Netflix is making originals in the realm of $100 to $300 million. You know how much Spotify has to pay every single time that you're listening to an Ariana Grande. You have to pay. Every time you're listening to Ed Sheeran, you always have to pay to the Universal Musical Group, to the BMG. The, the big threes, the UWMG, the Sony, you know, Universal Music Group. At some point, Spotify needs to increase their margins. And the best way they can increase that margin is Spotify exclusives. Spotify exclusive podcasts. Yes, um, podcast is a high margin for them. You know, for $60 million, that's actually cheap. Um, but 
as you know, it's already double the price that you get from N from XNHL. Meaning, the market has been undervaluing podcasts for a long time. And think about it. You're listening right now to me through Spotify. You're watching this on YouTube. How undervalued was YouTube when people, you know, when Eric Schmidt bought YouTube in 2005 for a billion dollars, people were saying cuckoo. But how much does, you know, you know how much a billion dollars is for YouTube? It's just one week of revenues. Actually, less than a week, sometimes like five days. So I'm saying to you that the world already should know this, but it's kind of uh, weird. It's unwarranted weird to me that the Netflix of audio, as in all spoken word, is so cheap. You know how much Spotify right now is? It's less than $50 billion, guys. Let's take a look at the market cap again of Spotify. Um, let's give you the reasons why we remain bullish Spotify and we think this is really undervalued. Look at it. Market cap is $47 billion. People are exaggerating about the fact that they only grew something like less than 10%. Actually, no, they didn't just grow 10%. They grew something like 15%. Um, you can check out the earnings that I did for Spotify, Shopify, Pinterest, and Twitter. It's uh, in the global market updates as well. I read it in during that news. This was the day, uh, the earnings. The earnings was here. Look at April 29. Yeah, around that date or April 30, somewhere there. We argued actually earnings was great. It actually bottomed out um, a few days after when the actual market bottomed out about 215, 214. I'd say that the downside about 245 is very low. I don't even know if you can get it at $220. If the downside is so low from a fundamental sense, no matter what you know, ignorance who just listen to macro noise should think about what they are investing upon. You're betting on Spotify. You're not betting on some ludicrous company. So yes, it's a buy. Nonetheless, let me address the big elephant in the room. Nikki, address it. The dollar is spiking. Agree. This is the dollar peso. From about 48 peso, it's now nearing 48.67. You and I both know that when the dollar is spiking, there could be an Arc Eagles Fund Part 2. Meaning... The large question here is not about inflation, which has toppled already after the Fed, you know, after the Fed meeting, the dollar went up, inflation is under control because commodities are falling. Just just in just in case you don't know commodities are falling, let me show to you how big of a drop dollar and the gold was. Gold is dropping from about 19 to about 1760, 1780. I'd argue that copper, of course, fell, silver, of course, fell, and so forth. Commodities were falling, okay, basically. Lumber, steel, la la la. But the bigger problem, if I'm going to be cautious, is about the leverage in the system. The unspoken word here is that banks continue to still loan money to hedge funds and it's not really that transparent how many people here actually can foresee that there's an arc egos fund that would have to be margin called and liquidated because we never knew that they were 10x levered apparently in a lot of chinese companies and had to sell at fire sale prices which cost baidu 50 percent down cost tencent music entertainment 70 percent down let me show you those arc egos fund no 
Tencent Music Entertainment from about $32 all the way to about 50% down to about $15. And then you've got the Ichi. Well, I don't really like Ichi. The, the point is, this Archegos Fund was buying companies that were not good anyway. Um, but, but of course, they have some good Chinese companies. Look, because of Archegos Fund from about $340, this went as low as $175 by Du. My point here is that there are companies that are really undervalued until today because it was induced by a liquidity event because somebody wrongfully bought a lot and had to force sell and therefore there was a fire sale. Today, Asia is still in a fire sale. I was sharing to them, look at Alibaba. Alibaba is still at $200. That is nowhere in the over bubble zone. No. This is like 35% down here, but 212. That price is the same as the price last two years ago at 2018 highs, 212. This high, that resistance equals today's support. Why? Fundamentally, Alibaba has grown stronger. Let me share to you the news about the e-commerce that just happened this June. Let's read that together. Um, e-commerce. Yeah, I'd agree. Let me also share to you this one. Asia stocks valuation gap to U.S. peers remains low below historical average. For the last 10 years, Chinese stocks, especially the big tech, I'd argue the big tech, the valuation differential is so huge. You have to be a non, you have to be a blind value investor not to see the value in Chinese big tech, Alibaba, JD, Pintuatua. That's why we, we're not going to go to cash and, and exit these Chinese winners. We're not going to sell our Netflix or Spotify. Guys, it's cheap. Why would I sell it? The downside is, well, it could probably just leave for the next six months like it always did. But it's not as if it, you know, I think these loggers are going to go up, actually. Because the valuation differential is so disparity, like despair already. What happened to the earnings um, of e-commerce? Let me share to you what just happened in the recent 618. 618, 618 is actually the day that um, Alibaba started. Yeah. <clears throat> Wait, uh, let me see that exact news. Okay, let's read this. Shopping Festival. China's 618 Shopping Festival e-commerce platform sales reports. The gross merchandise value is 578 billion renminbi. It, as the most important consumer battle, battlefield in the first half of the year, the annual 618 Shopping Festival has become a crucial market of business for all e-commerce platforms, and the pre-sale of 618 started early May. This year, 618 features better user shopping experiences, more simplified promotion rules, richer lists, more efficient logistics, more considerate after-sale services provided by each e-commerce platform, attracting more consumers to join the online shopping spree. For those who aren't aware, we reported the JD, Alibaba, and Pintuoto earnings inside our inner circle. We also gave a deep dive. So I would suggest everyone who doesn't want to do their own research, subscribe to Awesome 10X for just 3,000 pesos monthly fee or go to the 6-month or the 12-month. We have cheaper discounts as you go longer term with us. You will, of course, understand that these companies are, of course, a buying spree. You know, um, just like what we said during Christmas shopping May, if you ever wondered, yes, we made money, of course, like 100% on Ehang 21 to 47, Neo, Xpeng, Palantir. When you see value, you don't get away. You look at the losses versus the upside. Hey, I'm going to make a lot of money owning Alibaba JD Pentuatuo. 
what the hell does Michael Burry have to say about Chinese tech? He's just talking about crypto. He's just talking about some meme stocks, not even all the meme stocks in the world. So why are everyone hyperventilating about the greatest bubble of all time? No. Talk to each stock personally. According to the sales data, during 2021, China 618 had this up 26% year-on-year. Tmall platform ranking first. Tmall is Alibaba. At the same time, e-commerce live streaming sales reached 65 billion and 17.8 billion yuan respectively. Guys, who powers all the streaming platforms in China real-time? It's Agora. And Agora right now is trading at $40 of value. So, for all the household appliances, turn over 800 billion yuan, followed closely by mobile, clothing and accessories. This is data. You cannot, you cannot make up an opinion if the data tells you that it's growing like this. So, you know, you have to just stick to your, your truths. And the truth here is that, and I tell this to people, if you just want to make money, don't forget that you have to buy great businesses, great businesses. And of course, while you like the macro and the micro, understand your sales, uh, sorry. Okay, actually, you know, the news is all positive um, if you're reading the right news. Look, okay, while AMC is getting the, 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 the bulk of people talking, Futu, how about we talk about this Chinese brokerage firm? Futu is growing 400%. That is a buy. Chinese companies are all doing so well. Chinese brokerage firms. Futu and Tiger, any dips of this is a buy. I actually made the wrong decision personally because I sold some Tiger when, I, when there was a placement at 25. That's my wrong call. So actually, if I can buy it about 24 or 23, I'll try to buy it again. Uh, Tiger and uh, Futu is growing wild, just like IBKR, because millennials and Gen Zs have no choice. If they don't invest, how can they afford that expensive house? You know, cash, cash is an asset because you can buy stocks at a cheap price. And now that some stocks are selling at a cheap price, that cash has to go there. You know, that cash has to make money because if it's just in the bank, it won't earn money. You have to beat inflation and cash cannot beat inflation. Unfortunately, cash cannot give you that. Okay, so um, I, I, I have to say that eSports is doing well. We talked about Huya and Douyu bottoming out. These are Chinese stocks that also are good. So I mean, <clears throat> yeah, Huya is bottoming out. And, the, and I was like talking to my friend as well. You know, he had to wait like 40 minutes just to play. League of Legends, which is, of course, Activision. So in case that you're wondering, Tencent, is the business actually declining? No, Tencent is good. So actually, here at these levels, about 588 or 566, this should be a buying opportunity. So I can only scream buys in China because I have high conviction. You can only have high conviction if you study it. If you're just listening to a YouTuber, you have to still do your due diligence. <clears throat> Either way. Okay, let, let me read the comments. Hi, what do you think of ATAI? What's ATAI? Unfortunately, I didn't study ATAI. What's ATAI? What's ATAI? What's this company? Life Sciences. Yeah, unfor unfortunately, I don't know. I would just have to read about it. Um, what are your thoughts for UVXY? Good question. Yeah, last Friday, volatility started picking up. So I was telling people that UVXY is a hedge. 
by some people, but me, I usually hedge through cash. So I've been taking some profits, even if I know that the market has a lot of values. Why? Because some people, you know, they just get scared. Oh, Michael Burry said, greatest bubble of all time, flying pigs, 360. Maybe the market should fall 10%. At the same time, I said, yeah, the Nasdaq is at 14,000. Amazon is at 3,500. You know, there are companies that you might argue, perhaps it needs to get some profit taking. Not all, but not, not, I mean, you have to be balanced. I tell people to be balanced. UVXY is how other people hedge. It was up last week because that's how other people hedge. Um, UVXY is a volatility index which tells you that you will see people taking profits. Yes, that is the highest volume of all time. And of course, some people are really getting scared of the markets and they're buying puts or they're buying UVXY or they're just sticking to some cash. Me personally, I'm so simple. I just go cash if I'm afraid. Um, there's a sp spike in the price of 1611. Is there a possibility U.S. stocks would also rise? Because there's no relation in between these movements. You're talking about Huobi, Huopi, 1611. There's probably a news related to this company because usually Huopi, Huopi is crypto. It moves not with the U.S. market. It moves with BTCs. BTC fell. Actually, today, it's kind of weird that it went up on the day that BTC fell. So perhaps Huopi did something today company-specific. Now, I can't read the Chinese text, but perhaps you have to. I'm going to try to read. Usually, when a company diverges with the BTC, there's a news. It's probably doing something important. Important news. Video project. Uh, other than, of course, the Happy Father's Day. What did they actually do? June 15, they completed a Huobi token burn. Okay? Most likely, guys, I have a I have a I think the reason why it went up is because they're getting more people involved in Huopi. Now, for those who don't know who Huopi is, it is a direct competition of Binance. So it's a crypto exchange. Um ma'am, di ka po naka-screen share. Ne naka-screen share ako. Newbie Thoughts and Kupang. It's a Chinese, uh, sorry, it's a Korean e-commerce name. There's an upcoming Korean stock that I haven't read about. I haven't read. It's, there, there's a new Korean uh, company listed. I think that Kupang, you have to think about Amazon, right? It's an e-commerce play. Um, when, I, when, when, I took a look, when I took a look about the company in the IPO, I felt it was so expensive. It fell already 50% down. Um, here at 39, I'm not sure if it's really... So 68, I was avoiding it. Yes, it fell to about $32, went to 42. I need some time to read whether 39 or a 50% drop is good enough. But I can't answer. But um, you know what? Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia is huge versus Korea. Why invest in just one country when you can have the entire Southeast Asia? That said, everybody already likes C-Limited. That's why I'd say that for a Southeast Asian player, the cheaper version, the cheaper way, yeah, the fact that Alibaba owns Lazada and is dominating Southeast Asia, yeah, not dominate, number two, but still good. Also, ask yourself if owning this Kupang versus Indonesia's Tokopedia is better because you know that Gojek and Tokopedia are gonna list in the market. So your money has to think about the opportunities and opportunity costs. I think that the opportunity cost is still 
it's not a direct buy. I, I know that like Kupang is like fifty billion dollars and it's not lose it's not making money, but I don't really expect it to make money anyway. Should be growing. But the TAM is small versus the growth upside of Southeast Asia. I'd rather own a cheaper a cheaper Southeast Asian counterpart. Like I'd rather wait for go go uh Gojek Tokopedia rather than Kupang. But that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I need more time. I, I don't know how how great it is. Um, yeah, so that's it. I hope that a lot of people ask me about things and I, I can really under uh, I can really study everything. But you know if you like e-commerce as a secular trend, yes, when you like an industry, ask yourself, is Kupang growing stronger than the entire Southeast Asia? And then ask yourself the valuations because if my memory is correct, Kupang is actually priced to perfection. That's why during IPO it fell. Um, and I'm not sure if at forty dollars, if that, if that premium is finished. Because why do I like Shopify or C Limited, no matter how expensive it is? Because it can prove that growth is bigger than what the current levels are. In fact, I'd rather buy a lower Shopify, a lower C Limited. You know, those are better e-commerce gateways for me than that. If the market goes down today, what sectors will you sell or trim? Depends. Um, I'm not, I, I don't really sell, I don't really sell much. Eh. Um, I sold Uber because I felt that it was a little bit weak. And I noticed that the EV tolls can actually displace Uber over the next coming years. So I figured that at, the, at its current valuation, because you can fly, not just hail a taxi ride, um, I don't think that the valuation of Uber represents all uh, represents value. So I exited my Uber because I thought it was a reopening play. I like Uber and Lyft as a trade only. So I figured, ah, it's not too secular for me. So I exited that. Pan National Gaming, I'm thinking of exiting that because as a reopening play, I feel that DraftKings is better. Um... And I feel that the casino aspect and the barstool sports aspect because of sports betting isn't as benefiting Penn National Gaming. As you can see, there are so many competition. You have DraftKings as number one. Penn is probably just number two with their, or actually number three. Because you've got FanDuel, you've got um, Fubo also getting, getting sports betting. So I think about trimming not because Michael Burry, no. Think about trimming only if um, either I'm large size with it or I have to have a definitive reason why I'm selling it. Um, to be honest, what did I sell? I sold some solars because I was huge. I sold some Sunrun, not because I'm not bullish on it. I, I like it actually. Um... I think it's going to go higher. I think dips on Sunrun is going to be bought. And end phase 2, any dips would be bought. Hmm. What did I find expensive? So far, I can only think of uh, selling Uber and selling Pen. I can't think much of what to sell, honestly speaking. Well, um... Yeah, I don't plan on selling Airbnb or Disney. I mean, a lot of the reopening, like Shake Shack, I haven't planned on selling it. Some people argue $100 seems stoppish for Shake Shack. 
yes, but at $90 to $80, there's also a lot of buyers, so I'm okay with it. <clears throat> you can also take profit on NVIDIA. Ah, I forgot to say. Yeah, NVIDIA is probably high, um, but I can also respect if you won't sell any of those winners. I can agree that it's expensive, that will remain expensive forever and ever and ever. Yes, I would agree with that. But of course, you know, it's up like 50 I mean, how much is NVIDIA up this year? 50% already? Because like it was like $500 below. And that's now $750. You know? Um, even if you were holding your NVIDIA and believing that it will grow, 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 you know, what? how much was it? Your cost is roughly at $500. Yes, it's 50% up. At some point, I think that people would take some profits on NVIDIA. Some would trim. I'm not saying it's going for $500. I just think that people would take profits. You can take profits on some of your Nasdaqs, whether whether you like it or not. Because Nasdaq at 14.1, no matter how much you like these, it's going to be traded. Index names like that would get some selling spree. Copen, I sold some. Yeah. I, I sold some of my big winners, like Ehang at 40 above. Uh, I'd say Neo and Pala. Neo, I'd sell some. Expeng, I'd sell some. BYD 1211, yes, 175. Some of the electric vehicles have gone 100% V shape. It makes sense to take some profits. Sige, that's it. Bye bye.